This episode is brought to you by Triggered 22 LLC, a veteran-owned apparel company. By purchasing a t-shirt, hat, or hoodie from Triggered 22, you're not only supporting a small business, but you're bringing awareness to veteran PTSD and suicide. Please help save the lives of those who fought for our freedoms. Visit Triggered22.com now and place your order. Let's help those suffering from invisible wounds. Lebanon County felt very much like home. Welcome to the American Grown Podcast, hosted by Austin Sullivan. The American Grown Podcast will focus on people from different walks of life and their journey to where they are now. Now, turn up your volume and settle in for a great episode. Hi, I'm Austin Sullivan. This is the American Grown Podcast, recorded inside the ColorTech Creative Solutions Studios. Today, we have Steve Frogman Todd Davies, retired local radio legend. Steve, welcome to episode 48 of the American Grown Podcast. 48? It took me that long? <laughs> Todd got it! <laughs> well, you're busy, you know, you just recently, busy. recently retired, so... You know, I, I just, uh, yeah, I'm glad you're here. Thanks for the I welcome. Am. I appreciate it. Yeah, that. seriously. And I believe we first met, I uh, was at a Cedar Crest High School basketball game, girls basketball game, I believe. I was photographing for Blue Cardinal Photography, and you were announcing at the time. Yes. I yeah. uh, love doing that uh, public address work out there. That was so much fun. I think I did that for uh, about 18 years. Uh, boys and girls basketball, uh, football as well. Uh, in fact, little known fact, I named the cage. Did you really? I did. At Cedar Crest. You yeah, do you want to hear the story? Yes, I'd love is that, to. Is that what this is about? Can right. we talk about yeah, that? Yeah, let's talk about it. They uh, opened up the quote-unquote the new gym okay. at Cedar Crest. And yeah. uh, when they did that, uh, Frank Kuhn came to me and he said, hey, uh, we want to spiff it up a little bit with uh, the public address. Would you be interested in doing something like that? And I said, uh, I've never done public address at a basketball games. So, you know, if, if you're okay with me growing into that, uh, I said, uh, yeah, I'd love to do that. So, uh, yeah, uh, we did a couple games. And at one point, uh, Frank and uh, his assistant, Rick Dissinger, came over to me and said, what are we going to call this place? You know, because at that point, there were no banners on the wall. There was oh, wow. No paintings. Yeah, no was, murals. It was all white. And uh, I said, I said, I don't know. I said, let me think about it. And I, know, and I went home and I thought about it. And uh, back in the day, they used to call basketball players cagers. Did you, did I don't you? know. No. Well, they, they used to have <laughs> they used to have the courts caged off to keep the ball from going into the crowd and you know unruly crowds from you know and some <laughs> yeah. gyms coming down onto the floor. So it was they used to call them cagers, and uh, of course you know the the falcon mascot is uh, uh, a falcon. A falcon, yeah. And uh, you know so there's the bird and there's the cage. And I just came back, uh, you know, the next game. I said to Frank, why don't we call it the falcon cage? He said, perfect. He said, let's start calling it that. I said, okay, well, I'll bounce it off the AD. He said, no, 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 don't do that. Just call it the Falcon Cage. So I did, and, yeah. uh, you know, for the rest of the season. And then uh, uh, fast forward to the next season, the second season, I roll into the gym for the first game, and there's that mural up on the wall. It just blew me away. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I just thought it was the coolest thing wow. ever. Wow, so. so that was you. Yeah. That was your idea. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And it, it, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, I those were it. those were fun years. I really enjoyed that. I, I got to see some really good teams 
roll roll through there, not just uh, Falcon teams, but uh, you know teams from other uh, uh, gyms. And of course, we had a lot of uh, neutral site playoff games where you know the competition was really ramped up, and you know it was packed to the yeah. uh, the rafters with fans, and uh, it was just a oh, yeah. real exciting atmosphere. The fans always show up for uh, yep. Cedar Crest games, mm-hmm. you know, whether basketball, football. It's always packed houses, and yep. it's a it's a fun. Uh, arena or location to yeah, shoot yeah. uh taking pictures and i imagine announcing also because as the fans get into it i know for me uh, it gets me hyped and i'm just yeah. taking pictures yeah you're actually calling it yeah it was, it was cool it was the best uh for basketball it was the best seat in the house because you're right there with the officials the officials are coming to the yeah. scores table you're there with the uh, uh the game officials you know the scorekeeper and the clock uh, uh the timers and so forth and you know the uh, uh, visiting bench was uh, to one side, and uh, the home bench was to the other side, and everybody came. Everybody came right to you, you yeah. know. And, uh, Center of attention, the main they, guy, and they paid me for it. it was oh, great. there you go. <laughs> how many how many years did you do that? Uh, oh. It was just short of twenty. I think I think it was eighteen. Wow. I think it was eighteen seasons, yeah. and it got to the point where, to be honest with you, you know, I get up early. I got up early for my real job. You yeah. Know, uh, uh, the last the last few years, I was getting up at two o'clock to be at work at three fifteen, and some of those games when the teams were really good, Tommy Smith had some really good teams, oh, yes. and uh, the girls' team uh, traditionally is good. You're all ramped up after the game. You know, there's adrenaline going, and you can't just shut that off. I go to bed, you know, and you know, I'm I'm laying down by nine fifteen, and. Next thing you know, it's uh, ten fifteen, and next thing you know, it's you 11. can't sleep. Now I'm looking at the clock, and I said, "Well, if I go to sleep now, I can get two, you know, two yeah. or three hours, you know." And it, and it it got to be it got to be counterproductive, you know, because it uh, it affected my real job. So yeah, let's get some background before we get into your radio career. Where'd you grow up? Where were you born? Let's get some background about you. All right, I was born and raised in Berks County. My dad was a country doctor over in uh, Kutztown, right between Kutztown and uh, uh, Topton. At the end of 10th grade, we moved out to uh, Indiana, Pennsylvania. Uh, Dad took a job at the IUP in their health center out there, which gave him uh, regular hours. When you're a country doctor, you're on 24-7. Yeah. You know, people come to the all the uh, time and ring the doorbell in the middle of the night. Hey, we had an accident. That, you know, so it was like that. And he wanted regular hours later in his life. And so I finished up high school in Indiana. I met uh, uh, Carol out there in high school. Uh, we got married when she finished college, and, you know, my first radio job was at Latrobe, second radio job in uh, Randolph, Vermont, uh, and then, uh, you know, here for uh, 38 years. So while at Latrobe, do you remember what your first job was? Like, yeah. What would you do? Yeah. The very first thing I did, <laughs> the very first thing I did on the air was read uh, 10 Minutes of News. Really? That's the. I cracked the mic open and I had to read ten minutes of news. I was part of. That's. Yeah. How I started my show, uh, uh, and that was not my decision. That's just the way that show went, and you know it came with it, and you know so I I spent you know plenty of time gathering the news, and I cracked open the mic at two o'clock or three o'clock or whatever it was, and I started reading, and you know, and I beat myself up because of little things that I did here and there, and uh, uh, I felt like. The world was listening. Uh, in retrospect, knowing what I know now, probably nobody was listening. Okay. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know. But right, right. Yeah. You know, you're behind the mic. Yeah. yeah. You know, in a professional setting. Yeah. You feel like oh. you're nerve a little bit. Yeah. And it's your first gig. Your first. Yeah. 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 How did you overcome some of those nervousness? You know, it first. Yeah. Uh, just repetition. You know. You know. You, just like an athlete would. Yep. Absolutely. Reps. Yeah. You know. 
And then from Latrobe, you went to a station for a couple of years in, in Vermont? Randolph, Vermont, yeah. That was a country station. We were, uh, uh, we had an outstanding signal, an FM signal up on top of one of the ridges out there. We got into, uh, golly, I think it was uh, 27 counties and three different states. Uh, we got into part of wow. New York, all of central Vermont, part of New Hampshire. Uh, we had an awesome signal and awesome following. That was a country station up there. So how did you and Carol end up up, up there in Vermont? Uh, I wanted to step up from that Latrobe job. Okay. You know, that was a 500-watt daytimer. I uh, 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 read in one of the uh, periodicals that uh, WCVR was looking for a morning man and program director, and I thought, ooh, this, this is a you know, small town, but an opportunity for me to uh, uh, grow a little bit professionally. So, yeah. What was it like living in Vermont? Probably beautiful, right? Damn cold. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure, right? Yeah, I believe you. Yeah, yes. there's yeah. Uh, the weather up there is unbelievable. It gets so cold. Uh, I've always said that uh, if your car has any kind of weakness, that cold will find it. it it's true. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's brutal. Wow, that is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Thirty six below is the coldest uh, that I can remember, and I got frostbite that morning on uh, uh, the inside of my uh, index finger on my right hand trying to start my car. Uh, Just, I, I had a, I had a, I had a, yeah. uh, a brand new Datsun 200 SX, which was pretty sporty back in the day. That's uh, uh, Datsun was a precursor to Nissan, of course, and it was a sporty car. I would not have bought it if I knew that I was moving to Vermont. And uh, it was so cold that morning. I went in to start the car, and the engine oil was so hard. It could barely turn over. Wow. It could barely turn over. Yeah. And that's when I learned about uh, block heaters for, for uh, cars. Okay. Uh, I went and got one that day. Yeah. yeah. Big difference. Yeah, big yeah, difference. Big difference. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody has them up there. But that was... But you didn't know. That yeah. was the weakness in that car at that time. The cold found it. Found it, it. yeah. You, yeah, it was... Uh, oh, and snow. And Yeah, probably a ton of snow. Feet and feet yeah. of snow. Yeah. From Latrobe to Vermont... Mm-hmm. To now beautiful Lebanon County, mm-hmm. you were roughly, what, 38 years, we were saying, with Lebanon Broadcasting Company. Well, yeah, uh, Lebanon Broadcasting forever and uh, most recently uh, uh, Seven Mountains Media. So yes, yeah. Just that, I think the last th- three or four years was yeah. those last two companies, but primarily with Lebanon Broadcasting Company, yeah. And what was the transition like, and why Lebanon County, of all places? You know, you're out towards Pittsburgh, Kutztown area. Uh, friends and family here, uh, just job opportunity. Well, uh, uh, probably a combination of um, of all of that. Lebanon County felt very much like home after having grown up in Berks County. There are people here who still speak Pennsylvania Deutsch, just like <laughs> just like Dutch. over in Dutchy. Yeah, yeah, just like over in Berks County. You know, I was over at Renninger's Farmers Market in Kutztown yesterday. You can literally walk past people. Still talking Pennsylvania Deutsch. Wow. Yeah. Felt like home. So, yeah. So coming to Lebanon, then you and Carol started a family? Well, Stevie was born, Steve Jr. was born uh, up in Vermont. Okay. Uh, Kimberly was born here in Lebanon. What was it like raising a family here in Lebanon County? It was great. Uh, they they uh, went through uh, the Cornwall-Lebanon School District. Uh, we never had any qualms about that. Uh, the Cornwall-Lebanon School District had a lot of resources and uh, everything the kids needed, and uh, uh, they both had uh, outstanding uh, academic and uh, athletic careers uh, at uh, at Cedar Crest, and uh, you know we couldn't have asked for anything more. 
And what are they doing now, if you don't mind me asking? Well, uh, Kimberly is living in Spartanburg, South Carolina. She has a young family down there, a, a daughter and a son. And uh, she works for Reebok. Reebok and Adidas both have a, a big presence there in uh, Spartanburg. And she uh, uh, works in sales for uh, Reebok, uh, corporate sales. And uh, Steve is a commander in the United States Coast Guard after having gone through the Coast Guard Academy up in uh, New London, Connecticut. And now that you're retired, do you get to see him much? Do you get to go like visit him often? Or? Uh, now that now that we're retired, we have that flexibility, and we can yeah. uh, and we could do things like that. So we have a we had uh, <laughs> you know we're going down to South Carolina again uh, in just a in just a couple of weeks uh, because the brisket is really good down there. Yeah, you know that's a good okay. reason to go, right? That sounds great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, in July, uh, for a retirement gift, uh, Steve treated me to uh, fishing in the uh, Key West Marlin tournament whoa, uh, whoa. on his boat. So yeah. that was that was cool. That's phenomenal. Yeah. 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 So we get to we're getting to visit more now uh, uh, than we used to. It's, okay. It's still distance, but uh, you know. Yeah. You gotta gotta do what you gotta do. And family's everything. So yeah, that's that's absolutely. awesome. You know, you contributed so much to Lebanon County. Um, doing some research on you, you were uh, a t-ball, baseball, softball, basketball coach on the board for your your local church, uh, and the good old Iona Swim Club. Uh huh. I mean, I remember I went to that all the time being a oh, kid yeah. growing up. That was the place. And was and, I out there when you were out there? You probably. Probably, I mean, um, I was. Were with you that. one of the unruly kids that no, they were always benching? No, 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 no. Lifeguards were benching you. No, I was a good kid. I was a good kid, but uh, you know, being part of the Haynes family. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, my mom's one of the fourteen, oh, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I did not know that. Oh no, you didn't. Oh. I didn't know that, but uh, yeah. Uh, I know. I knew. Uh, uh, Dad. Yeah, Gordy. Yeah, Gord, yep, Gordy. Yeah. Or Ted. Gord yeah, Ted. Ted yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he was always out there sunbathing. <laughs> oh, he's wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's just funny. I was just thinking about him the other day because we rolled out by the swim club. And, there, of course, it's not there anymore. It's a cornfield. But, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. The, we've always said that uh, the uh, the bond at the swim club was one of the best investments we ever made as parents because uh, – you know, in the, in the summertime, I was still working early, and I'd be home by about 12 noon, pick the kids up at uh, uh, child care and uh, get a little lunch and head out to the swim club. And, you know, I could take a little Can't snooze, and they'd be out there uh, playing with their buddies, and uh, it was awesome. I'd be there with my uh, little cooler and a straw, and everybody thought it was water in there. But it was. <laughs> What'd you have? What did you have in there? Not bourbon. That's, no, it you... wasn't bourbon. I think it was. I think <laughs> ice and vodka and orange juice or something oh, there you like go. that. Yeah. Well, that sounds good. It was very refreshing. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, I believe it. Yeah, especially at the swim club. I mean, for those that you know might be too young to remember, the Iona Swim Club was the place. Everyone came together, had a nice snack bar, had the 10-feet section, which that's where all the older kids would go. You had your swimming lanes. Uh, it was really something. So it's a shame that, like you said, now it's a cornfield. But uh, back then, it was the place. You know, when uh, when we first joined the swim club, their uh, membership was uh, flagging. It was it was going down and down and down. And I was on the board. And uh, we kept trying to come up with uh, ideas of stuff to do. And uh, I started doing pig roasts out there. Okay. Uh, we had a we hired a guy to do a pig, uh, and uh, we got a lot of people to buy tickets, and it ended up being a little bit of a, a fundraiser. It turned into an annual thing, but after watching him do it the first year, I remember, you know, pulling some guys together, and I thought, we can do this. We don't have to hire a guy to do it, and that you can rent a roaster and uh, buy a hog. You know, uh, at that time we uh, uh, bought a hog from uh, uh, the farm out there on uh, Schaefer Road, Bud Arnold had a, a hog farm out there and if you bought the hog from him he would let you t- use the roaster so 
you know, wow. I remember one time uh, uh, we paid off the mortgage at the swim club. It was the 25-year uh, anniversary of the start of the swim club, and uh, we had a free pig roast, and we had a huge. Actually, we did two hogs that year. It was it was that big. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a big. Deal. It went over a well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and we, when people find out you know how to roast a pig, the next thing you know, you're working on the weekend. <laughs> you're, you're working all the time, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and were you there towards the end? I think it was. It was a sinkhole. Yeah, they had a huge sinkhole under the pool. Yeah. And uh, I, I believe, and I wasn't there, but that's that, that's what I understand. Um, the sinkhole was so big that uh, the cost to repair was, was mm. cost prohibitive. You're right. So let me ask you this, Steve. How do you find time to do everything that you, you did in, in a day's time? I mean, work, coaching, being board members. How, how did you do it all? Well... Uh, you know, time management, I guess, you know, you, uh, you, you do what you have to do as a parent, as an adult, it's easier, I think, cause, uh, and there's also something to be said for an afternoon nap. Uh, I learned how to harness that power, you know, so that enabled me, you know, to stay up a little bit later and, uh, you know, get some of those evening meetings taken care of and, uh, sporting events and, you know, going to see my kids play or, or, uh, doing the, uh, play-by-play, play, not play-by-play, play, but the public address at uh, uh, the basketball and the football games. Yeah. You know, throughout your career, who would you say are some of the mentors that have, that have helped you or guided you? Well, uh, my first radio job uh, out in Latrobe, uh, there was a guy there uh, by the name of uh, Chuck Campbell. He had been there for a lot of years. He was somewhat older than I was. Um, and God bless Chuck. He, uh, he was born with cataracts in his eyes and he could he was legally blind, and he walked to work every day. Uh, but he, he uh, taught me how to rein it in a little bit. I, I had a lot of energy, you know, and, uh, and it was small-town radio. And uh, from that, moving up to Vermont, probably the guy that had the biggest uh, influence on me was a, a guy by the name of uh, Greg Price. Greg uh, worked in Philly uh, and Milwaukee. He pretty much started the radio station at Temple uh, when he was uh, uh, going to school there. And he, after being reined in in Latrobe, let me go a little bit. Yeah. Obviously, he threw me into the morning show and said, just, you know, have fun. And uh, so uh, a lot more energy came out up there, and uh, uh, people seemed to like it, and... Uh, you know, came down here to uh, Lebanon then, and uh, Ed Burris, who was the station manager at the time, I think really taught me how to be a pro, how to handle yourself in public, uh, not just when you are wearing uh, the station logo, but uh, uh, knowing that this is a, a kind of a smallish town. Everybody knows you, and you're representing the company, whether you're out to eat or whether you're with friends or whether you're on remote for the radio station, you're still representing all the time. And uh, without him really coming right out and saying that to me, uh, he sort of uh, he sort of made me feel that. And uh, so I I would count him as a mentor. He was never on the air. Uh, he was, I wouldn't call him a broadcaster. He was a sales guy and a sales manager. Oh, wow. But uh, you know, uh, he taught me how to be a a, a pro. Uh, in that respect podcasting is getting popular there's a lot of people locally uh, that i know some friends that are into it uh, and even for maybe future listeners that might get into the radio career what would be let's say t two or three tips that you would 
would give to somebody that is getting into hosting or radio or podcasting? I don't know anything about podcasting, uh, but uh, I would tell I would tell somebody who wants to get into radio. By the way, there's still a morning show spot open here in Lebanon. So uh, oh yeah, what's going on there? Real quick, I don't so know. I'm not working there anymore. They need a they need a morning. <laughs> well, I know. Per- I know they need I a miss morning. Miss your person. voice. <laughs> My wife and I used to listen to you driving Parker up to daycare on North Side of Town, and I appreciate that. I appreciate yeah. you listening. And then anytime anybody tells me that, I always say uh, thank you for listening. I, yeah. It's not you the don't same. Know how much I appreciate it's not the same. But it. well, you know what? It never will be the same, and that no. happens anytime anybody moves on. But uh, uh, I know they're I know they're looking for a morning guy and. Uh, what about yeah, maybe maybe yeah, yeah the young man over there yeah. oh it's a steve you know i'm busy <laughs> i'd love to though wouldn't that be something just to give a try because i don't think i have the look for tv yeah yeah i'm not you know no hair at 32 you know almost 32 i can't pull that off if i had if i had to uh offer someone a tip uh about getting into radio i would i would simply say get your foot in the door somewhere and and then just work hard do whatever they ask you to do you know, and that's that's probably good advice for any job or any career. Get your foot in the door, work hard. You know, be diligent, be a company person, and uh, you know, and and then move on from there. If if, if you can if you can step up at some point, uh, uh, if if you can't do it there, take it somewhere else. You know, where they you know value uh, yeah. your work ethic and uh, and professionalism. That's that's what i would tell anybody oh, i agree 100 percent. you yeah. know get get in early stay late put, yeah. put the time in and you know you're always learning yeah. right you're always learning and you can always learn like i think i think it's so interesting that what you learn from a sales manager you know at, at the radio station there to be professional handle yourself professionally um yeah you can always learn from somebody quick story about uh, ed burris uh who uh, hired me and was the uh, station manager at the time uh, uh at the time, of course, was living uh, up in Vermont, and we decided we wanted to try to uh, move back to Pennsylvania, sort of focusing on this area, really, because there were a lot of uh, good small to medium to large market uh, uh, radio stations, and uh, I applied at a lot of them. Well, uh, you know, Ed responded because uh, I knew they were looking and uh, brought me down for uh, an interview. I stayed at my uh, sister's house over in uh, Shillington, drove to Lebanon for the interview, I'm sitting in the front office. He comes out to greet me, and we're wearing the exact same outfit. No. Oxford shirt. <laughs> yeah. Blue blazer, khaki slacks, penny loafers, red tie. Oh, to the T. To the T. Wow. And as soon as I stood up to shake his hand, and I said to myself, I got this. I got the job. You nailed it. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> wow, what are the odds of that? That's yeah, crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. Wow. And he didn't know that. He didn't realize that. Oh, but you until picked up I, until I told him years later. I said, "You know, he God, didn't." <laughs> yeah, but you picked up on it right away. You're like, "Oh, crap!" Yeah, <laughs> but you could look at it the other way and be like, "Oh no, he's, he's going to think I'm trying to be a, you know, like a kiss ass." But how would you know? You never met him before. No, that's the truth. Wow, what are yeah. the odds at? Yeah, what a story. Yeah, who's then? That's the truth. So now that you're in retirement. What are you really, what are you passionate about? Like, what are you doing? I don't think you're a golfer because we talked off air. I don't think you really picked I, up golf. I used to golf. Uh, I used to golf a lot, but I, uh, my shoulder hurts when I golf now and I don't like to, poke, uh, I don't like to poke that bear. It'll hurt so bad that I can't sleep at night. So, whoa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Don't, yeah. don't stay away from golf. So, you know, but you do the deep, uh, oh, like I like, I fishing like fishing things? in the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. I like fishing in the salt water. Yeah. What's the biggest fish you ever caught? Uh, the biggest fish I ever caught was a uh, 400 pound blue marlin out of uh, 
Hatteras, North Carolina. Yeah. And I've caught uh, out of Ocean City, uh, Maryland on one trip. I caught, personally, I caught five white marlin and a blue marlin Whoa. in one day. Wait, in one day? Yeah. Now, they're not yeah. easy to catch, yeah. I imagine. Well, I never um, went, so I don't know. Seen, they seemed easy that day. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's a lot of reeling in, you know, it isn't is. it? Right? It is, yeah. yeah. But I was with some guys who had never done it before, and uh, and they were tired of it. And I understood <sighs> what an epic bite this was. And, you know, the guy, guy said, I had enough. I said, well, I'll take the reel. I got you. Know? Okay. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. I was tired, too, but I was digging yeah, it. Yeah, you're man. not going to let it go. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So how did you get into that hobby? Just going to the beach and I, getting well, into it? Well, I, you know, I was... I've been fishing since I was a little boy. Dad took us fishing. We'd go, we'd vacation up in uh, uh, Quebec and uh, do uh, do a lot of freshwater fishing. And at one point, I think I was about, I don't know, I might have been about 12 years old. Dad took us on a party boat out of uh, Barnegat Light, New Jersey, and the mackerel were running. And we were catching mackerel four at a time. And I thought, oh, my God, fishing in the ocean is awesome, you know? Of course, every day isn't like that. But we were catching them four at a time. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was... uh, uh, that was epic, and it really turned me on to fishing in the ocean. And when I got old enough to make my own decisions, uh, I, I got into surf fishing, uh, fishing on the beach, and okay. uh, and uh, that took me to Hatteras, North Carolina. And of course, I saw the big, beautiful boats at the marinas, and I thought I got to try this. And uh, so, about thirty-five or thirty-eight years ago, uh, I did that the first time, and I've been doing it almost every year. You were hooked since, yeah, absolutely. Literally, Literally. Yeah, you like that? There. Yeah, you like that. <laughs> I got a couple. I got a couple. So that's what I radio. Yeah, well, let's well, maybe one day we'll see what happens. So uh, Carol's also retired. Your wife, I believe, recently. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So now, what do you see? Like, what's what's your life going to be like? What are you going to do? You well, there's plenty. You know, everybody says it. What are you going to do? There's a lot to do. We're, uh, you know, we're finding time to do stuff that we've always wanted to do, but never had the time or energy to do before including stuff around the house or yard work or, yeah. you know, just, you know, little jobs here and there. You know, sometimes you just came home from work and you thought, oh, I don't want to, you know, I can't, I don't want to cut the grass or I don't want to pull yeah, weeds. Yeah, it's little things, right, right. Thing. Now you can just, you can peck away at stuff like that all the time. Plus work in the trips to see your, your daughter and her family in Spartanburg or, or going down to Key West and visiting uh, Steve and his family and that. Do you still get up so early? I want to ask you because... You know, you're getting up at 2, 3 in the morning. Or, like, how was that transition? I was getting up at 2 o'clock yeah. in the morning to be at work at 3.15. This morning, 6.30. So it's been a slow progression, uh, a process to get it back to. And I don't believe 6.30 will be uh, every day, but that's what it was this morning. Uh, lately, it's been usually between uh, 5 or 6. And five seems early to a lot of people, but after having gotten up at uh, two o'clock for a long time, right? Yeah, five o'clock, you know, isn't bad. It, I think it's still a process. It's a process of trying to stay up a little bit later at night, trying to dispense with that uh, afternoon nap, right? You know, yep, yep. And then and then going to bed a little bit later. You know, going to bed a little bit later, dispensing with that afternoon nap, and it's sort of working itself into. Uh, waking up a little later yeah cheers for carol and your retirement thank you cheers Mm -hmm. here's to carol that's delicious old forest or old foe oh here yeah fill you up here we go not don't fill it up but uh no 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 a finger or two that's good okay so we are uh sipping on old forester old foe my buddy uh taylor shepley brought this in he was on the podcast recently and, and hooked me up but the items you brought with you today 
let's talk about them. What do you have? I see you have two in particular, and photos will be up on the podcast, Facebook, and Instagram. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Steve Davies, voice of the Falcon Cage. Thank you for serving as the voice of Cedarcrest Falcon basketball for the past 18 years. You're naming, there it is, your naming of the cage and call of Let's Play Hoops. That's you remember right. that? I do. Yeah. Will always be a part of Cedar Crest history. Presented February 2015. So that so just the, yesterday. I would do the uh, lineups and the national anthem. And uh, as soon as the national anthem was over, I'd sit down. Pam would sit down. Uh, the scorers would uh, sit down, get ready. And as soon as the clock was ticking down to about two seconds, it was, let's play hoops. And then the buzzer would yes. ring. And, you know, it was phenomenal. It was all carefully choreographed. Yeah, it <laughs> was great. Yeah, I do remember that. You should go back. I know you're not going to, but it would be great just <laughs> that, to see you, you know. It would be easier to do it now than it was it uh, towards the end I have the time now. But, Let's uh, play hoops. Oh, phenomenal. Okay. So this was given to you by... Uh, Rick Dissinger Rick gave Dissinger. it to me that night. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I was completely blindsided by it. You know, uh, as far as I knew, uh, uh, only only I and he and maybe the co- coaches knew that uh, that would be my, my last game there. But uh, they did this this little presentation out in front of everybody and it uh, actually choked me up. I, I was welling up when he, when he did that. That was uh, emotional for me. Yeah. So where do you keep this at the house? Uh, in a place uh, of prominence. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> right. Next to the bourbon, probably. <laughs> or uh, one of the uh, fish, one of yeah, the fish you caught. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This piece here. This is, uh, what is yeah. That? Did you ever see this? Is it wood or plastic? It's, uh, I think they call it uh, PVC. Okay. Uh, I have a friend, uh, Brian Maxwell, and he's on social media as well. He's got this. He's got this little. Uh, it's like a laser cutter, I think, in his uh, in his basement, and uh, he will do custom work like this. And uh, he surprised me with this. Brought it to the radio station, and I asked him about the process, and he can do uh, uh, just about anything. In fact, I had one. Uh, I had one uh, custom made for my son uh, in the the shape of his boat it's an exact it's an exact profile uh of his boat and ha- so it has uh the name of the boat Rockabutza across the top and then Key West uh, at the bottom um Steve is at the top of this and Davies is at the bottom uh, of this particular uh, uh piece but uh, so he'll do anything you want he'll oh, uh, he'll cool. do little mock-ups and email email you up uh, uh, you know do you like this or do you like this and you can adjust it and then yeah, you know, he just spits it out and. Is he on Facebook? Do you know? Yes, his name is Brian Maxwell. Okay, perfect. Oh, very cool. Shout yeah. out Brian Maxwell, local. Um, he's actually Brian is related to be my stepdad, um, John Poff, which again, small world. But so I, I've seen his stuff. Um, yeah, this is nice. I've never seen it in person. Yeah. I've always seen it pictures and things. I had another uh, uh, yeah. a fellow former broadcaster uh, see uh, my social media post uh, about this and the work that Brian does. And he called me up and said, how do I get in touch with this guy? I need one of these. Yeah. So, uh, oh, very cool. Did, did one for him. Yeah. Anytime you can help local business and, and promote their services, yep. you know, especially with social media, cause it's, it's free, you know, and, and you can reach so many people. Um, that's phenomenal. Yep. So very cool. How can our listeners connect with you and follow along on your journey now that you're retired? How can they? Yeah. Well, I'm on, I'm on Facebook. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, and Twitter. Facebook probably seems to be uh, uh, the best way to follow right now. It, it seems to be the most uh, 
uh, responsive of all the uh, platforms. I've been trying to get into uh, threads and uh, uh, very little response there. Even Instagram isn't as good as it used to be, and I don't know why. I, I, I just had this discussion with Carol the other day about how uh, I could post a picture and uh, with, a, with a few key hashtags, you would have responses from all over the world, and now it's just really seems like it's pared down and I didn't lose any followers. Yeah. I just don't. So I don't know what's up with that, but, um, Facebook's a good way to go. I try to, I, I try to uh, still stay fun and positive uh, on Facebook. And, um, uh, you probably noticed that, uh, Boscov's travel reached out to me. And that was my uh, next question. Yeah. Actually, I had that on here. Yeah. They reached out to me yeah. and asked me if I'd be interested in hosting a cruise. Uh, so we're doing that, uh, next, next September. And, uh, that's being received, uh, better than uh, I ever uh, imagined. Uh, they asked me to try to get 30 people to do it, and uh, we're up past 60. Whoa. Uh, so, oh, that's phenomenal. Yeah. You know, how'd that come about? They just knew, knew about you, reached out from, from radio? And- well, yeah. The Boscov's Travel did some work with uh, radio in the past. Way back in the day, Henry Homan hosted cruises uh, for uh, WLBR and what would have been WUFM uh, at the time. And uh, uh, so they were familiar with working... Uh, with the radio station and uh uh a couple of years ago i guess it was it was uh, pre uh pre covid uh they asked me to host a hawaii cruise and oh, wow. uh, that was received pretty well and we were in the process of doing uh a bermuda cruise when covid hit and of course uh, uh the government shut down everything yeah. uh, nobody was cruising and uh, uh we weren't allowed to do anything so that was canceled uh, fast forward uh, three or four years, uh, here I am retired. They said, "Hey, you want to?" And I was like, "Sure, well, let's <laughs> let's go." Yeah, yeah. And you have the following, so it just yeah. makes sense. Well, yeah. they they yeah. they uh, realized my social media reach and uh, that it was uh, you know I'm I'm not Don Imus or Howard Stern or anything like that, but uh, you know uh, for Lebanon County, yeah, though. a lot of my a lot of my reach is uh, very local. And, uh, yes. and that's kind of a, uh, an important thing in this regard. And how you handle yourself. I feel like a lot of people, you know, they know you or they feel like they know you like personally, you know, and it's funny, my wife and I were talking about it. And I'm like, you know, I meet with Steve Todd and Frogman Todd. I was like, he is like a Howard Stern here in Lebanon County or like I'm a big uh, Mike Rowe fan on Discovery Channel. Mm-hmm. And just the way you handle yourself, the way you sound and everything, your your voice, I'm like. He's like, a, he is a local legend. Well, I don't know if, you know, legend might be overstating it, but uh, I've, I've been around for, uh, you know, on radio here for uh, uh, 38 years. And, uh, you know, you come into it, I didn't use my last name because I didn't want people to be able to find me in the phone book. Well, when you're when you're in a town of this size for 38 years, you pretty much, everybody pretty much knows you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. when you go out to restaurants and so forth, that happens all the time. And, you know, you yeah. know. People, people will say, "Hey, there's Steve Todd. Is that is that Mrs. Todd? Is that uh, Mrs. That's, <laughs> how do you explain well, that? Yeah, it kind of is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could go with that. Yeah, we'll just go with that. <laughs> so, before we close out, is there anything else you'd like to share with the listeners? Any last comments? Uh, no, just you know, I, I, I don't believe I can overstate how appreciative uh, I have been. Uh, you know. I, I retired. My last day was uh, May 19th, and we had that little shindig out at the radio station on the Thursday, the 18th, and it was supposed to be a thank you to the, uh, the listeners. Well, that flipped right back on me, and it, and and, it, and you know I'm getting emotional uh, talking about it right now. It was it was uh, pretty impressive, and 
I'm just I'm just so grateful that I was treated as nicely as I was by people uh, over over the years here. And, yeah, uh, you know, uh, I couldn't have I couldn't have settled in a in a better better place to raise my family. Perfect. So Steve Frogman Todd Davies, retired local radio legend on the American Girl podcast in the Color Tech Creative Solutions Studios. Thank you for joining me. My pleasure. Cheers. Cheers. Congrats. To see photos of today's guests and more content, just search American Grown Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. If you'd like to be a featured guest on the podcast, please direct message or email Austin at AmericanGrownPod at gmail.com.